Hello and welcome to the Stuck Brain Podcast. All things mental health with a different approach. We look at the research, but we also discuss real life experience. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Stuck Brain Podcast. I am your host, Eric Osterlin, and today we have a great episode for you. We're going to talk about how to make your anxiety worse. Yes, that's right. How do you make it worse? Why would anybody want to make their anxiety worse? I don't think anybody really wants to, but what happens is people do accidentally. So that's why I want to talk about this. So first, before we get started, we have to go into what anxiety is and how to define it. So to do that, we're going to talk about the DSM, Diagnostic Statistic Manual. I'm going to be looking at number five because that's pretty much the most recent. And I will be on page 189. Now, what is the DSM? The DSM is a book that was created a while ago, and we've had many, many versions of it, but it was created to help providers and help people discuss mental health disorders. So we could say, I think this person has generalized anxiety disorder, and that would mean certain symptoms with it. I would know exactly what they were talking about. That's originally what the DSM was created for. So let's look at that. So on page 189, they talk about anxiety disorders include disorders that share features of excessive fear and anxiety related to behavioral disturbances. Fear is the emotional response to real or perceived intimate threat, whereas anxiety is anticipation of future threat. Obviously, these two states overlap, but they also differ with fear more often associated with surges of autonomic arousal necessary for fight or flight, thoughts of intimate danger, and escape behaviors. Anxiety more often associated with muscle tension and vigilance in preparation for future danger and cautious or avoidant behaviors. So they talk about the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight, and fear being one of the main emotions that we have. So why is, why is anxiety difficult to treat? Anxiety is difficult because we need a little bit of anxiety to survive, right? It's an evolutionary trait that has kept us safe. So a long time ago, you know, we're walking around, a lion jumps out, we fight or flight goes and we start running or we fight and we get away. And then the next time we walk by that same area, you know, maybe there's bushes and trees. We have a little bit of anxious feelings about it and we are on a high alert because we know we've been attacked in this point and it kept us safe. Now, long time ago, you'd have that visual threat, that immediate threat, and then you'd get away from it, hopefully. And then your parasympathetic nervous system would kick in, the rest and digest, and then you would be able to relax, right? That's how we've evolved. But nowadays we have what you call invisible threats. So am I going to be able to pay rent? Is this person going to sue me? What are people going to say online? Am I accepted in my community? What laws are going to pass that are going to you know, affect me? So we have all these invisible threats that we can't really see and we can't really get away from to a certain extent. They're always there. And that's what makes anxiety difficult. The other aspect about anxiety is that we need it. We need a little bit of it because it gets us through our day. 
So a perfect example is test-taking anxiety. I need enough test-taking anxiety to make me study for the test. But if I have so much anxiety, I just shut down and I can't study. And that's a common, common way anxiety can help us having enough to study for something. Now let's talk about emotions because that's part of, of anxiety. Now there's primary emotions, which is likely in this case to be fear. Primary emotions are often very strong and can be sometimes easily identified. They are thought to be kind of primal, sensitive, instinctual, like they're just our primary emotion. Secondary emotions, on the other hand, are emotions that are felt after a primary emotion. So we could be angry about being afraid, stuff like that. In environments where the individual is not allowed to show emotions, I'll give you an example of the prison system. Individuals cannot show fear, primary emotion. The only emotion that they can show is a secondary emotion, anger, rage. That's acceptable in the correction institution or the prison system. And so there's a lot of individuals that once they get out of the prison system, the only emotion that they know that they can show and be vulnerable with is anger because they learned that in our prison system. But if you look deeply, a lot of the time, the anger stems from fear. They were afraid for their life and the only emotion that they can show is anger or rage. Now, finally, how do you make anxiety worse? The best way to make your anxiety worse is avoidance. The more you avoid your anxiety, the worse it's going to get, right? Because you're actually avoiding that underlining emotion, which most of the time is fear. So let's give you an example. You go out in public and you have an anxiety attack. You have a fear response and you start sweating and having heart palpitations and you're like, I got to get out of here and you just run and you leave your friends in the grocery store. And then what happens is the next time you're like, I don't want to go to that grocery store again. What if I have that, that panic attack? And that actually causes more anxiety and more fear because then we start to get into another emotion called shame and embarrassment um, and sadness. You start having thoughts like, oh man, I'm so weak. I can't even go to the grocery store because I might have a panic attack. So if you avoid, that's going to make that worse. It's going to make that fear and the anxiety worse because you start to have secondary emotions and thoughts. Now, after enough avoidance, our secondary emotions will grow into things like disappointment in yourself. Even de depression can develop downstream. Let's look at some of the most common ways people avoid. The first one is substance use. So going to a party and you're feeling slightly anxious, what do I talk about? And then you have several beers to mitigate the feeling of anxiety, to mute that anxiety feeling. That's one way people avoid. So I would start to ask yourself, why am I having the drink at the party? Or why when I come home from work, I have to have a drink to unwind? Or why am I smoking marijuana at at night to relax. Most of those times when you look at that deeply, you'll understand that it's an avoidance technique. There's some uncomfortable emotions that you don't want to deal with. 
And that's common. We see that quite a bit. The second one is to work or excessively work to keep busy. And that's a form of avoidance as well. People will work excessive hours because they want to avoid maybe coming home or certain emotions or feelings. Excessive exercise, that's another form of avoidance. Not that exercise isn't helpful. That's the interesting thing about exercise is that exercise can help with anxiety and depression. And there's lots of research on that. But over-exercising or to the point where it's avoidance is probably not healthy as well. Those are just a few of the avoidance techniques that people use that are the most common. Over the next few weeks, I would personally look at that. Say, huh, why am I having the drink at the party? Why am I having to smoke a joint when I come home from work? Why am I exercising seven days a week excessively? Every time I feel anxious, I go run or I get on the bike and I ride, ride, ride. There's probably some avoidance there. Be mindful and look at that. So if we make our anxiety worse by avoiding it, how do we make it better? Well, we do the opposite. We lean into it. Now, it's best to do this in small steps. If you're having an anxiety attack and you're in that fight or flight mode, it's very difficult to lean into it. So what you want to do is you want to start practicing some of these strategies when you're calmer or you're not in in the fight or flight response. So the best thing you can do is one of the steps is to adopt a sense of curiosity about yourself and behaviors. Now, it's important to be non-judgmental with this curiosity. So I wonder what's making me not want to go to the grocery store. That's interesting. Or I noticed I didn't feel this anxious behavior when I was at my friend's house. You know, and just kind of giving yourself space to be curious about it, but not really putting a judgment of good or bad or positive or negative. Just kind of having a sense of curiosity. That's step one. The next step is to recognize when you're avoiding emotions. You know, am I not going to my friend's house because I'm afraid of this emotion? And am I not having conversations with this individual because I'm afraid of this emotion or this fear? And that takes practice and some time. The main thing is don't be judgmental about it. Just have a sense of curiosity about it. And then further dig into what's the primary emotion that I'm feeling here? Am I feeling fear to going to my friend's house because I might be judged and you know, I'm afraid of being embarrassed? That could be one of the primary emotions. And then number four, I would name your anxiety when it comes up. Come up with a funny name. I use Corella, the, the Wicked Witch in 101 Dalmatians. That's, that's the name that I give my anxiety when it shows up. And then after that, reflect on what sympathetic symptom showed up first. So when we have the fear response and we have the sympathetic nervous system kick in, we have certain symptoms that most of us feel. That's increased heart rate, you know, tightness in the chest, increased blood pressure, tunnel vision. There are some other ones that people feel. Now for me, when I have anxiety, it's tunnel vision is the first symptom that I get. So what's nice about figuring out what's your first symptom 
is as soon as you start to feel that come on, you can start doing techniques to kind of derail that train a little bit earlier. So it takes some practice to kind of recognize what came up first. So for me, a late response is racing heart and high blood pressure and, and that. So if I waited to that point, it's probably too late for me to, to do any interventions to derail that train. So I have to be uh, mindful of when I start getting tunnel vision and then I know, okay, let's take some deep breaths, let's pause. I wonder what's causing the tunnel vision. Hmm. You know, and I can derail that train a little bit easier. Now back to naming your anxiety. Like I said earlier, I call mine Cruella and my first symptom for anxiety is tunnel vision. And what I do is I start asking myself some questions and leaning into it with curiosity. So one of the first questions is, where do I feel it in the body? Is it in the stomach? Is it in the chest? Is it in the neck? Is it a pressure headache? Where do I feel it in the body? And that can be different each time. And then I do other questions like, what color is it? What would what color would I give this? Is it a yellow, orange, red, blue? And then I even go further. What temperature? Is it like a hot, burning? Is it cold? Is it, you know, medium, just normal? And then I ask myself, what shape is it? Is it a triangle, star, diamond, hexagon? Does it move anywhere? Do I feel it all over the place? And then after I answer all these things, then start to take 10 slow, deep breaths. And I like to do box breathing. There's all kinds of different breath work out there, but box breathing is where you breathe in for five seconds, hold for five, breathe out for five, hold for five, breathe in for five. And you just repeat that 10 times. And that seems to derail the train quicker than, than anything else. So please let me know if this was helpful on how to make your anxiety worse and ways that you can prevent that. But the main takeaway is don't avoid the emotions or the anxiety. That will make it worse over time. Lean into it, take small steps, develop that sense of curiosity and try to be non-judgmental about yourself. Most people have some sort of anxiety. So you're not alone in that aspect. All right, I hope this helps and then I'll see you in the next episode. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. And those of you that have taken time to leave reviews and contact us through Instagram, thank you. You can see the show notes at stuckbrainpodcast.com. You can also visit us on Instagram at stuckbrainpodcast and you can leave what topics you want to hear next.